Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique sur les résultats du deuxième trimestre 2021 de WST. Welcome to WSP's 2021 second quarter results conference call. I'd now like to turn the meeting over to Quentin Weber, Investor Relations. À vous la parole. Please go ahead, Mr. Weber. Good morning. We hope that you're all safe and doing well. Thank you for taking the time to join the call today, during which we will be discussing our 2021 Q2 performance, followed by a Q&A session. With us today are Alexandre Lereux, our President and CEO, and Alain Michaud, our CFO. Please note that this call is also accessible on our website via webcast. During the call, we will be making some forward-looking statements, and actual results could be different from those expressed or implied. We undertake no obligation to update or revise any of these statements. Relevant factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those forward-looking statements are listed in our most recent management discussion and analysis. Also, during the call, we may refer to certain non-IFRS measures. These measures are defined in our management discussion and analysis of the second quarter of 2021, as well as our management discussion and analysis for the year-ended December 31st, 2020, both of which can be found on CDAR and on our website. Our MDNA also includes reconciliations of non-IRS measures to the most directly comparable IFRS measures. Management believes that these non-IFRS measures provide useful information to investors regarding the corporation's financial condition and results of operations as they provide additional key metrics of its performance. These non-IFRS measures are not recognized under IFRS, do not have any standard as meaning prescribed under IFRS, and may differ from similarly named measures as reported by other issuers and accordingly may not be comparable. These measures should not be viewed as a substitute for the related financial information prepared in accordance with IFRS. With that, I will now turn the call over to Alexandre. Thank you, Quentin, and good morning, everyone. I hope you are all uh, keeping safe uh, and well. Let me begin by saying I am, I am very proud of our performance in the second quarter and first half of 2021. Thanks to the passion and dedication of our teams around the globe, we continue to deliver strong results, provide high-quality service to our clients, and win exciting new projects. Before we go any further, let me highlight three key points. First, as expected, we return to growth in Q2 with net revenues better than expectations, a healthy backlog, and a strong project pipeline. Overall, proposal activity continues to be very robust across the business, and the volume of contract awards not yet included in backlog is at a record, record high level. Notably, in the U.S., we increased soft backlog by approximately 75% over June 2020. Second, our recently completed acquisitions are integrating well and are exceeding performance expectations. In particular, the strategic and transformative addition of Golder performed above expectations in Q2 2021 with double-digit organic growth and strong margins 
as well as a 25% organic growth in its backlog since December 31st, 2020. Third, we continue to welcome new talent to our leadership teams, reflecting our continued commitment to inclusion and diversity and to creating development opportunities for people. I am proud of our accomplishments on that front, which lead to a stronger collaboration, increased performance, and even more value for clients. The strong start to 2021 and the growing level of investments in infrastructure and environmental programs around the world make me very optimistic for continued positive momentum for the rest of 2021 and beyond. As a result, we feel confident in increasing our 2021 outlook, which we will cover in greater detail later in the call. Our industry leadership is confirmed by a number one ranking in ENR's top 225 international design firm list. Ranking at the top of our peer group is a point of pride for WSP and reflects the dedication of our 55,000 professionals. Our leading positions, leading position in the buildings, transportation, power, and environmental sectors were recognized as we advance our ranking, achieving top five positions across the board with number one spots in buildings and transportation. The expansion of our global footprint and depth of capabilities also garnered us several top 10 regional rankings, including a number one spot in the United States and Australia. Now turning to our management of the global pandemic, conditions remain fluid. We continue to monitor the situation across all of our operating locations and adapt project delivery in regions experiencing increased restrictions. We continue to follow our business continuity plans and focus on helping our people be safe and productive, whatever their location. As for other global matters, just this week, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change issued a report that has increased the urgency of real action in addressing climate change. The shift towards a low carbon economy remains a market driver for our clients and an imperative for WSP. Shortly after we announced our commitment to achieve net zero emissions across our value chain by 2040, WSP was named for the third year in a row as the most sustainable company in the engineering industry by World Finance Magazine. We were also recognized as, as one of Corporate Knight's best 50 corporate citizens in Canada. June also saw the publication of WSP annual ESG report entitled Accelerating Meaningful Action. Our ESG report highlighted uh, that nearly half of our 2020 uh, global revenues can be classified as clean revenue. This is defined as revenues earned from services that have a positive impact on the environment and support the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. We view this as a significant accomplishment in line with our strategy and commitment to support the world's green transition and a metric that we intend to improve on over time. This all connects to our success in achieving our 2019-2021 strategic ambition of becoming the leading global environmental consulting firm. As recent acquisitions like Golder and Ercon integrate into WSP, we can clearly see WSP's increased position in this growing market. Our complementary client base, 
service, service offerings and geographical footprint are serving a strong catalyst to winning work and expanding our client portfolio. I am pleased to report that we currently have over 500 opportunities which we are pursuing together in addition to more than 100 projects, sorry, awards across our key markets. We are following with interest the development in the U.S. Congress as early signs of bipartisan support of the American Rescue Plan Act create a focus on infrastructure investment at levels we have not seen uh, the days uh, of the building of the interstate system. While work is still needed to progress to approve funding, WSP is well positioned position to deliver on a wide range of project work resulting from this investment program in water, highways, bridges, buildings, and power infrastructure, among others. Currently, overall, proposal activity continues to be very robust in the U.S. and the volume of contract awards not yet included in backlog, it has a record high level. The UK is also experiencing a positive surge as the economy continues to recover faster than predicted, accelerating public sector procurement and private sector investment. And here in Canada, our, our excellent win rate on competitive proposal is creating an all-time high backlog and strong project pipeline. I would now like to highlight a few of the major wins during Q2. Australia has been focused on the improvement of their transportation infrastructure for more than a decade now and has pledged to invest $100 billion Australian dollar in transport infrastructure over the next 10 years. This quarter, WSP was awarded the Detailed Design Services contract for the F6 tunnel extension that covers the roadway from the Sydney Airport to Kogaira. The project is part of a staged delivery of the M6 motorway aimed at reducing travel time from the southern areas to Sydney. Meanwhile, the UK is putting fresh investment into public healthcare facility expansion and improvements. Our leading position in healthcare buildings has garnered us a significant win in the hospitals of the future program, part of the government's commitment to build 40 hospitals by 2030 backed by initial budget of 3.7 billion. WSP is part of the expert team appointed by the Lead Teaching Hospital National Health Service Trust to deliver the new state-of-the-art adult hospital and a new home for the Leeds Children's Hospital. In the US, WSP mark a new milestone in our strategy to expand our work in transit customer centers with the selection by the Metropolitan Transportation Corporation to transition its transit rider fare system, also known as the Clipper program, to a new cutting edge customer service system. This highly trafficked system processes fares for 22 transit agencies and 23 million fare payments, equating to 50 million US dollar in transit revenue each month. Of course, winning work and delivering project leads us to the most important asset of our business, our people. WSP continues its commitment to inclusion and diversity and to recruiting, recognizing, and appointing talent through internal succession and investment acquisitions and organic hiring. In Q2, several key leadership appointments were made. Marie-Claude Dumas was named pres president and CEO of WSP in Canada. 
Marie Claude originally joined WSP as Global Director, Major Projects and Programs, and Executive Market Leader, Quebec. Dean McGrail was appointed Chief Executive Officer of WSP in the Middle East. Dean previously held the role of Managing Director of Property and Buildings for the Middle East business. Following his tenure as a Chief Executive Officer for WSP Middle East Operation, Greg Kane has accepted the Chief Operating Officer position in Australia Business, another mobility example in our network. Magnus Meyer, WSP CEO for Nordics and Central Europe, has decided to leave WSP by the end of the year to pursue other opportunities. To fill his role, we have appointed two successors, Annalina Oberg-Oxta, a CEO of the Nordics, and Eric van den Broek as CEO of Central Europe. Annalina formerly served as Boulder's regional president for Europe and the Nordics. And Eric was also, and will continue uh, in, in his current role as managing director uh, for the Netherlands. Megan Van Pelt has been promoted from her previous position as director of HR in the US to WSP's global chief human resources officer. Megan joined WSP in 2017 and has over 20 years of proven experience. Wendy Stovland was appointed to the role of Senior Vice President Global Communications Director. Wendy served in a similar role for Golder prior to joining WSP. Finally, we are pleased to share that our brand continues to attract talented and passionate new resources. We are experiencing a high application and acceptance rate which positions us well to continue to meet our project commitments. Alain will now review our financial results in more detail. Alain, over to you. Thanks, Alex, and good morning, everyone. I'm very pleased to report on our robust results for the second quarter of 2021, driven by strong performance from recent acquisition and our overall business, and better-than-anticipated organic growth, resulting in improved adjusted EBIT margin. Let's start with our top line. For the second quarter, revenues and net revenues reached 2.6 billion and 2 billion, up 19.3% and 16.3, sorry, 16.1% respectively, compared to Q2 2020. The increase was driven by organic growth of 3.6%, which is higher than our initial expectations of low single-digit organic growth for Q2. The increase in revenue and net revenue was also driven by acquisition growth of 18.7% across all segments. Moving to profitability, adjusted EBITDA in the quarter reached $342.6 million, up 24.1% compared to $276 million in Q2 2020, largely due to the contribution of recent acquisition and the continued good performance of our overall business. Adjusted EBITDA margin for the quarter reached 16.9% compared to 15.8% in Q2 2020. The improvement in adjusted EBITDA margin is mainly attributable to the higher margin profile of recent acquisition and better productivity across the regions. Our adjusted net earnings for Q2 2021 were $147 million, or $1.26 per share, up 35.4% and 24.1% respectively compared to Q2 2020. The increase in these metrics is mainly attributable to higher adjusted EBITDA margin. 
Our backlog at the end of June 2021 stood at 9.6 billion, representing 11.2 months of revenue, up 11.9% in the six-month period, mainly due to acquisition growth. On a constant currency basis, backlog grew organically by 1.1% compared to backlog at December 2020. Overall proposal activity continues to be very robust across the business, which is very positive for the rest of the year and beyond. Moving to our cash position, cash inflows from operating activities for Q2 2021 amounted to 311 million compared to 510 million in 2020. On a free cash flow basis, we generated $53 million in Q2 2021 compared to $411 million in 2020. Lower free cash flow in 2021 was mainly driven by the expected normalization of cash collection in Q2 2021. Also, Q2 2020 benefited from a deferral of income tax and other remittances in some jurisdictions amounting to approximately $100 million. For the trailing 12 months and the June 2021, free cash flow amounted to $553 million, representing 1.5 times our net earnings. DSO at the end of June 2021 stood at a very good level of 70 days. And as of the end of Q2, our balance sheet remains very strong with a net debt position of $1.3 billion and a net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio of 1.1. During the, the quarter, we also declare a dividend of 37.5 cents per share for shareholders on record as of June 30th, 2021 which was paid on July 15, 2021, with a 56.2% drip participation. The net cash outlay was $19.3 This concludes my remarks. So on that, back to you, Alex. Thank you, Alain. So given our great performance in the first half of the year, our strong balance sheet, and the positive momentum in our key markets, with high levels of contract award and proposal activity. And finally, the great performance of our most recent acquisitions. We are in a position to increase the adjusted EBITDA range for fiscal 2021 to $1.275 billion to $1.325 I also believe we are positioned favorably to achieve our 2019-2021 strategic ambitions uh, as expected. In conclusion, I'm proud of our teams and their con continued dedication to delivering outstanding service to our clients. Over the next few months, as we build on, on our 2022-2024 strategy and turn the page to the next chapter in WSP's story, we remain committed to our future-ready model and to creating a compelling vision supported by focus initiatives that will solidify our position as the premier professional consultancy in our industry. I would now like to open the line for questions. Certainly, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question will come from Jacob Bout from CIBC. Please go ahead, your line is open. Good morning. Wanted to start off with uh, I want to start off with uh, the, the raise in, in guidance uh, for the year. Um, you know, what are the drivers here? I mean, is it just uh, expected revenue growth? And, and how should we thinking, think about margins, uh, especially given, you know, the expectation of higher discretionary spend is, um, as we travel more, et cetera? 
Well, of course, over the last uh, 18 months, uh, cost containment efforts uh, took place within WSP, but a lot of that has, has you know, reverted back. And, and of course, I expect an increase in cost when we all start to travel again and, and meet in person. Uh, but I'd say, Jacob, that the main driver is that WSP legacy, and, and what I mean by WSP legacy is X acquisitions for this year, and our existing acquisitions for the year are, are performing extremely well right now, and that's why we felt compelled to, to increase our, our outlook at this point in time. And are you still thinking of uh, organic growth this year in that kind of 2 to 5% range? Um, I think that's the goal at this point in time. Uh, we haven't changed uh, our guidance around our organic growth. Um, where we made an adjustment is really on the bottom line at this point in time. And we will revisit if we feel we need to later on in the year. Okay. Um, second question is just, <clears throat> I think the, the organic, there's organic uh, growth retraction in, in the U.S. Um, when do you expect that to turn? I know you made some comments about, um, you know, contract uh, awards, um, but mm -hmm. when do you expect that to turn? Look, Jacob, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to predict how politics will behave in, in all of this in the next, uh, in the second half. Obviously, yesterday, uh, the Senate approved uh, the bill, um, and this was not just, you know, Democrats voting for the bill and, and, and the Republican voting against. I don't think I've seen uh, such a, a bilateral vote in, in more than a decade in, in the U.S. at the Senate. So, so I think there's clearly... Uh, um, there's clearly an agreement in the U.S. that infrastructure spending is, is a need, and the reinvestment infrastructure in the U.S. is definitely a need, and, and both parties believe in that. So, so we'll see how this is, is progressing in the House. Uh, so it's hard for me to tell you when uh, this, uh, this will be unlocked. Having said all that, what I can tell you is that our, our win rate on competitive bids and awards uh, is as high as I ever remembered in the US. So uh, we are doing extremely well and we are, I think this time around, I think it's fair if I say that we are winning more than our share at the moment. So it's, it's work that has been procured uh, that we won, uh, but we are just waiting for, for the funding to follow. So, uh, so I think this is very positive and um, and, and I think that the future should be bright for, for the U.S., but, but time will tell. All right, leave it there. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Benoit Poirier from Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Yes. Good morning, everyone, and congratulations for uh, the good quarter. Um, if we Salut look Benoit. at the goal... Yeah. So if you look at Golder, congrats for the, the good results. Could you talk about how much of the double-digit organic growth driven by Golder was driven by cross-selling opportunities? Look, it's early days still, uh, Benoit, on, on cross-selling and collaboration. Um, I think I mentioned we're pursuing a, probably 100 uh, potential opportunities together. So, so I think it's, it's very promising. Uh, but I'd say that right now, most of, of uh, this growth is coming from, from Legacy Gold. They're, they're doing well. 
they're performing well in all of the countries uh, from from Latin America all the way down to Australia. So I think across the patch, it's it's been very robust. And the mining sector, let's not forget this, the mining sector is, is performing extremely well right now, and we expect it to perform like that for for the foreseeing future. So, so I think we find that uh, we're, we're quite fortunate uh, about the timing of this transaction, and we're, we're quite pleased about it. Okay. And could you maybe talk about the contribution from Golder in the backlog, specifically in Q2, and also about the cost energies whether you're finding more opportunities or still uh, too early to tell? Well, it, it's, early, it's early on cost energy, but I will turn to Alain to answer the question. Alain, go ahead. Yeah, on, on backlog, uh, Benoit, uh, Golder is uh, experienced about 25% growth uh, since the beginning of the year in their backlog. Uh, their backlog is at a record high level currently. Uh, so they're to Alex's point, the, the momentum in the mining business uh, is, is actually quite good, and we see that converting in good level of backlog. And on the synergy side, it's you know we're just one quarter in, so it's a bit early to tell, but we're still committed to one that we have completed at the announcement in December. Okay, that's great. And last one for me, with respect to MNA. Uh, we heard lots of discussion recently about the increase in valuation multiple expected from seller, uh, especially with the uh, higher participation from uh, PE firms. So given your discipline approach, uh, sh should we expect uh, WSP to, to still remain active in, in 2021? Look, it's it's always our goal to be active. It's always our goal to be opportunistic. We have a very strong balance sheet position. So uh, if we feel at this point in time and in the future that we can create shoulder value uh, by, by going after uh, targets, uh, we will. Uh, we've had over the course of this year a, a number of, of informal and formal discussions. Uh, and as I said in the past, I think what made us successful is through good time and bad time, we remain disciplined and focus on our strategies. So, so if Benoit, I feel that we we can strike uh, a transaction that will create shoulder value, we will do it. Uh, but clearly, we're going to be uh, we will remain disciplined. And and let's not forget as well that we completed uh, the closing of Golder only a quarter ago. So, so I think focusing the team on delivering uh, this transaction to our shoulders is the top priority. Uh, it's still early days, I think, after after uh, 60 days to, to suggest that the integration is completed. Uh, we have a lot of work to do. But, uh, yes, indeed, I mean, we continue to have a dialogue with, with firms. And if we feel we can add the value, we will. Okay. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you. Your next question comes from Yuri Link from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good morning, guys. Um, Good morning. Hey, guys. Just want to follow up on the uh, the, the new outlook. Um, Fed to characterize it as you know better than expected profitability in the first half of the year, um, and and not so much uh, a change in in your revenue expectations. And 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 if that's the case, where has has profitability uh, surprised you? 
and uh, is, is that you view that as sustainable? Yeah, for the, the remainder of 2021, we view this as uh, sustainable, uh, without a doubt, Yuri. Otherwise, I don't think I would have been comfortable to increase uh, our outlook from a bottom line point of view. Uh, admittedly, I was a bit surprised uh, by um, the recovery, the fast recovery of our UK business, the fast recovery of our Canadian business. Um, I was expecting a, a, a slower pace uh, of recovery, but proposal activity uh, level is strong. Uh, the UK business is, 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 is doing very well right now, so is Canada. Um, if it wasn't for uh, the restriction, the, 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 the strict <laughs> restriction in Australia with the, the shutting down of construction site, I think we would have done better in Q2 than what we've shown uh, to all of you uh, this quarter. And then in the U.S., we continue to to, to thrive. I mean, we we are uh, we are uh, you know generating very strong profit, very strong margin profile. So you combine this uh, with uh, the performance of our recent acquisitions, uh, namely Golder, but all of the other ones as well. And uh, you look at this and say, look, we we are actually performing better than what I had anticipated at the beginning of the year. We all need to remember that, you know, we put our operating plan and budget together uh, over the course of the September all the way up to or about end of November before we presented to our board. So uh, so this this budget and this outlook was, you know, seven eight nine months old and. And where we were seven, eight months ago to compare to where we are today, uh, you know, life is different and, and we feel better about it. So, uh, so that's why we felt compelled to, to increase our, our bottom line outlook. Okay, that's fair. Um, second question for me, just on the US, I mean, what's, what's kind of changed there? Or what's, what's the new dynamic, uh, temporary or not, where you would have such a surge in, in soft backlog, but, you know, just slow in converting in, into hard backlog? Is it related to the election, the pending bill, all of the above? Just any, any additional color there would be it's helpful. It's, yeah, it's all of, of the above. I think the uh, early funding uh, that has been, that's been fueling, you know, estates in the market uh, early on has been water. So that's where we've seen most of the funding uh, going through uh, at this point in time in the year, uh, but we haven't seen as much in transportation and others. So, so I think uh, you know our clients are quite keen uh, to get to work, and 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 I think there is a general and a collective recognition that an enormous amount of work is needed in the U.S. Uh, most of you know infrastructure assets are obsolete. I think I gave that stat, uh, you know, and, and pass, uh, pass analyst calls, but I think 75% of bridges in the U.S. are either obsolete or, or are in need of significant work. So uh, there is a collective recognition, both from the Democrats, Republicans, and states that work is needed. So they are eager uh, to get to work, uh, but clearly this massive uh, this massive uh, funding and bill is, I believe, uh, you know, creating a bit of hesitation at, the, at this point in time. I, I think states are waiting to see when and if this will be approved. I think 
yesterday was very good news and 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 I guess that's that's clearly the, the psychology that is taking place in the country um, having said all that I think when we put our budget together last year we didn't know the outcome of the election and we didn't know that there would be a bill like this that that that, that would be put forward so so don't get me wrong I think I don't believe our business is is waiting on things that we are that are out of our control. Uh, to the contrary, I think we're we're hustling very hard um, to to generate the revenues and to generate the profit. Uh, but the the the, um, the environment in the U.S. is is very strong at the moment, with or without a bill, and and that's you know why we feel uh, you know I would say cautiously to optimistic about about the future of uh, of, of our u.s business okay. thank you your next question comes from frederick bastion from raymond james please go ahead your line is open uh good morning bon matin bon matin fred uh guys just want to build on yuri's last question uh, your results for the past you know, four or five years do show that you're performing extremely well in the U.S., uh, which makes me think anything from coming from the proposed infrastructure bill would be gravy uh, for WSB. Have you have you estimated what potential impact this bill uh, could have on your organic growth in the U.S.? No, we have not. Uh, we have not, Fred, because it's how this will be approved is your guess is as good as mine. How this will be funneled. Uh, your guess is good as mine. The timing of it is as good as mine. So uh, I think this is, to me, and, and, and I wish I could answer it, but to me, uh, I believe this would be an impossible answer to a uh, question to answer. Uh, having said all that, I think you know what I am telling the team day in day out every week when uh, I speak with our U.S. team uh, leaders is, hey, uh, our job is to deliver uh, services to our client. We have a backlog to deliver. Uh, we need to attract the best talent uh, in this industry, and uh, we should just worry about things that we control. Of course, uh, Fred, I'm not going to stand here telling you that uh, you know this bill is 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 not going to be uh, very helpful. Of course, it will be very helpful. Uh, to what extent, time will tell. Uh, but but certainly, if this uh, goes through, I think this is going to be. Uh, very good news for WSP, but but very good news for the industry as a whole. Okay, thanks, thanks, Alex. The, the next question I've I think I've asked you from a, from a regional perspective, but we we've seen the company move up the league table in the environmental sector, transportation, and buildings uh, with your transformational acquisitions in the past. Are there still subsectors within these these three segments? Uh, where you would like to bulk up further, either organically or inorganically? Absolutely. Uh, I think we could uh, probably double our transportation business in the U.S. and feel still very comfortable about it. Uh, I think there's a lot of room for us to to grow, for instance, in, in Texas, in California, and uh, Southeast, uh, in the Midwest. So, so we're quite subscale uh, in the U.S. still, and in many places. Uh, and the building sector, 
I think in previous calls, I, I mentioned that over the last few years, we continued our transformation of our building sector from being known just as a high-rise uh, commercial real estate uh, um, um, engineering firm to now being a leading firm in uh, mission-critical work, i.e. data centers, uh, and also in the healthcare. Healthcare over the last three years, we made a number of acquisitions in the U.S. and elsewhere, and uh, we're now, you know, leading uh, in that sector. So, so we continued our transformation, and I wish in the in a perfect world to continue to increase our exposure uh, to those subsectors in, in due course. Uh, and then in environment, um, I, I think you know, Golden WSP uh, will be creating a 14,000 strong environmental practice, urgent environmental practice. But there too, uh, there are many countries, and take the US again, for example, where we have 2,000 people uh, I, I believe we could we could grow this our presence uh, even more, uh, but that's true in the UK. That's true in, in in most of our regions, if not all of them. And and finally, you know, of course, water. Uh, I think you know that we have, you know, a, 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 a perhaps a, a, on a relative scale basis, given our sheer size, uh, a smaller size presence. So we could grow that, and then I could move on in services project management, program management, something we would like to grow. Um, and digital is one that uh, I don't talk much uh, during those calls, but uh, when we unveil our strategy in 2022, 2024, uh, I'll be able to talk more about that. So there are a number of services, sectors, and regions that I feel we could, uh, we could continue to grow, Fred, and uh, that's what we're busy doing right now. Thanks, Alex. Uh, great answer and great quarter. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Michael Tupholm from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks. Good morning, Alex and Ole. Hello, Michael. Um, my first question relates to the organic growth outlook. Uh, so I realize you haven't formally changed the, the 2021 organic growth guidance of 2 to 5%, but I'm wondering if, um, given the better than expected organic growth you saw in the second quarter and what sounds like a positive outlook for the second half of the year, should we be focusing on the upper half of that guidance range? I will leave. Uh, I will let you decide <laughs> how you think you should, uh, you know, uh, uh, how you should be thinking about our organic growth rate. But I think the big question mark at this point in time, Michael, is the U.S. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, um, we are essentially flat uh, for the year uh, so far. So, so it all depends how you know uh, H2 will be performing. Uh, uh, and I'm not trying to hide anything. When I look at our organic growth uh, forecast, two to five percent, you know, given the track record of our U.S. business and, frankly, uh, of our peer group in the U.S., I think it's very, very consistent. And we're all waiting—not waiting, but we're all hoping—to uh, to see um, this, uh, you know, changing, um, ch changing direction. So uh, I think again. Uh, the, the proposal activity level is extremely strong, uh, very active, uh, and, and we, won, we win more than our share of work at this point in time. Uh, 
but it's more of a question of timing in my personal opinion than it is about you know the fundamental trends of our, our US business at the moment. We just, it's a wait and see. Uh, and that's why I think uh, unless I was absolutely certain um, that H2 will, will, will provide uh, increased results, uh, I felt we, we should err on a conservative side at this point in time and see how this will, this will how we will be performing. Okay, that's, uh, that's a fair answer. Um, I know you don't break your business down like this as far as uh, reporting goes, but um, you've been increasing your presence in terms of your strategic advisory services offering. I'm wondering if you can speak to how the growth you, you have been seeing in that area and that you expect to see in that area, how that compares to the, the organic growth and the, and the top line growth in other parts of the business. Um, and also as sort of a follow on to that, wondering if, if, um, you know, if you can talk about the extent to which that, that increased presence in, in that service uh, advisory area or strategic advisory area, is, is that part of what is, uh, seeing you deliver these better margins? Look, uh, it depends, you know, strategic advisory mean uh, different things to different people, but I will try to explain to, to you how I see it personally. Um, over the course of the last cycle, we, when we unveiled our plan in 2018, I had mentioned that uh, we wanted to increase our uh, non-design uh, services um, to get to perhaps like by the end of the cycle, approximately uh, half and half between, you know, a seal and detailed design work from, you know, from from work where we are providing more of a, an advisory type of services and environment would fall into this. Uh, program project management would fall into this, and and the more what I would call call a C-suite strategic advisory that work would also fall into this, like studies, uh, analysis, um, and, and and data analysis, and and we do a lot of this. And over the course of the last cycle, uh, Michael, uh, we've we've increased our our, our non-design work by. A you know, now we're about 50-50, but in reality, it's probably more 55-45. And don't get me wrong, all right? Our margin profile and design is improving and is increasing. So, so I, we will, we we want to continue to capitalize on on our engineering uh, capabilities. Uh, but what I said back then is, uh, we will continue to capitalize on what we're good, but we'll, we're going to expand our horizon on, on things that perhaps where we are subscale. And over the last three years, that's what we've done. Um, and and if we chose to grow it, it's because I believe in the growth prospect uh, of those services. So so we invested heavily in in urgent environment. Uh, we invested heavily. Uh, and, and many other services that are, are not design. Uh, but then when you look at design, you look at our healthcare sector is, is growing double digit right now. Uh, so, uh, our, so, so, so I think uh, I, I wouldn't want you to leave this call thinking that uh, we are transforming the company because we don't believe in our core services. To the contrary, uh, I believe with what's happening in the world and the reinvestment uh, and infrastructure that will be taking place in, in every country I can think of. Actually, our design services will be even more important. Uh, but complementing that service with uh, 
upstream services where we are there with the client to advise them uh, at the beginning, upstream, all the way down to our detailed design work. Uh, I think that was the strategy and, and it's paying off at the moment. Okay, no, that's, um, that's a good answer. Thank you, Alex. Uh, and just my last one, uh, it was mentioned uh, that Golder's business grew organically double digits. Um, so I guess maybe a, maybe a two-part question uh, relates to that. Um, first, just to help put that double-digit growth into perspective, can you provide any insight into what sort of prior year comp Golder was up against? Uh, so just, just wondering specifically if, if you know they were impacted by the pandemic or or um and is that part of why the growth was so strong um and then i think you maybe already addressed this but but any particular areas uh that are really that are really driving that growth i think you mentioned mining but i'm not sure if there are others as well mm -hmm. just before uh the pandemic hit in, in 2020 so q1 of 2020 Golder, during our due diligence, obviously, we, we looked into this, but uh, was up double digit. Um, and and this was anecdotal evidence that the, the business was doing uh, extremely well, led by a very strong management team, a strong CEO. And, and um, of course, the pandemic hit. And, and of course, uh, the business was slowed down the way all of us were slowed down, so they were not any different, but there was some evidence uh, that the business was, was thriving. Uh, and 2019 was also a very strong year for, for Boulder. Let's not forget that, of course, we have not uh, uh, disclosed those numbers. But so when we based our, our investment thesis, we, we looked at, uh, of course, the performance of 2019, the first quarter of 2020, and of course, took into consideration what's taking place in the pandemic. Um, but uh, nevertheless, I think for the last few years, this is a business that was growing year over year over year um, and, and had done extremely well. And so that gave us comfort that we were buying a, a great business with, with a, a great people. And, and frankly, we're only a quarter in, but um, our early evidence is that's what we bought an amazing business um, and and to your point about the about the sectors i think what what i find quite uh, interesting right now is all of the regions within golder are striving canada is performing extremely well uh, the u.s is performing well the uh, latin america is performing well australia as well the mining sector without a doubt is 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 uh, is is very strong, very robust. So, so I think right now I feel that um, you know the timing of this acquisition could not be any better. Uh, but there are other sectors that are doing well as well. Uh, manufacturing in the U.S., for instance, is, is an example. So, uh, so, so I'd say all in all, I think it's it's just uh, a business that is is, is performing uh, very well at the moment. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Your next question comes from Dmitry Kamalnitsky from Veritas. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, I was wondering if you can talk uh, more about the uh, backlog in the U.S. Um, it's a relative, you know, it's a um, big business, 
uh, that you have in the U.S., and it was not dependent on uh, infrastructure stimulus in the past. Uh, and I'm just wondering uh, why clients uh, are, are hesitant, if you will, to commit uh, hard dollars to projects, and essentially what causes the uh, delay in firming up the backlog in the U.S.? Look, it's it's at the end of the day, I mean, uh, we could sit here and think that the pandemic uh, was not a financial burden to states and municipalities, but we all know that this is this is a false statement. Uh, an enormous amount of money was pumped uh, in the system uh, to uh, to deal with this pandemic. And of course, I'm sure that there are some conflicting uh, priorities right now uh, in, in those state offices and, and, and those people leading those states and municipalities and, and governments. And so I think the fact in the matter that the funding is, is coming is I, I'm not surprised that this perhaps creating some hesitation uh, by, by state and local to um, get the green light or give the green light uh, and, and get going on all of those projects. So, so I think, as I stated before, I'm not a politician. Uh, that's not my job. My job is to deliver our hard backlog, to convert it, and to make sure that we deliver the best services to our clients, uh, and to attract the best people to our firm. Um, but, but certainly, I think you combine a pandemic with a trillion-dollar bill. Uh, I'm not surprised that it maybe creates some hesitation in the system. Okay, and uh, can you talk? Uh... Uh, about uh, free cash flow conversion, uh, 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 longer term, um, where would you expect that to be? I know your goal generally is to target 100% uh, conversion of uh, free cash flow to uh, uh, IFRS net earnings. Um, how do you view that given the uh, normalization of the collection cycle uh, uh, and essentially a longer term perspective? Uh, on uh, cash generation versus uh, uh, earnings. Yeah, good question, Dimitri. Um, you know, as you said, uh, obviously we've seen uh, we've seen uh, 2020 as a, a year, a particular year from the cash flow collection. We've seen strong cash flow. Um, our objective for 2021 uh, remains to be around 100%. Uh, that's the, the goal, and that's the longer term goal as well. Um, but, you know, as you know, given the normalization of cash flow, this put a bit of headwind uh, on that conversion objective of 100%, at least in the short term, but that's just normalization. Um, and it remains our objective for term. So that's the best guidepost for you uh, to look at that 100% conversion. Mm -hmm. I understood. Thank you. Uh, and uh, the other question that I have uh, is on integration. I wonder if you can talk more about um, what do you generally consider as most risky um, uh, portion of the integration process and the most time-consuming? Well, the first few months, Dimitri, of an integration are, are quite critical. Um, because that's when you uh, engage uh, with the workforce. And uh, you know as well as I do that uh, it's human nature to um, be concerned by changes. It's just the way it is. 
uh, and, and therefore converting um, the workforce and also taking the time to communicate your ambitions and your vision of uh, what the combined organization would, would look like, but also uh, taking the time to explain uh, what it is to be a consultant uh, at WSP, uh, what does it mean for, for them? And just like uh, anything, there will be some, some good, some element of good, and some element of, 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 of not so good. That's just the nature of, of, uh, of a marriage. But at the end of the day, uh, making sure that we embrace the, a like-minded vision and guiding principle is key. Uh, and making sure that, that you explain your culture and that you explain um, you know, what you believe in, I, I think it's, it's very important. Uh, I find that sometimes integration are not going to go well because leaders will tend to focus on, on, on systems and will tend to focus on, on tactical stuff where me personally I believe that connecting with the organization uh, making sure that you explain what you stand for, and, and more importantly, um, uh, you create an environment where we could have early wins together is probably uh, you know, the best testament of what a successful uh, combination should be like. Uh, so that's why um, making sure that we connect people early on and, and communicate with one another, um, you know, the good news and the bad news, I think it's, it's extremely important. So. So that's why I said that we're only a, a quarter into uh, in, into the integration. Of course, a lot of, of work had gone into it pre-closing, uh, so clearly had a head start. Uh, but but the, that period of time is is critical, uh, and and that's why I think we're we're taking the time to do the things to do things right uh, to make sure that uh, you know uh, we live up to the promises that uh, we were presented to the Golder people. Okay, understood. Thank you. Your next question comes from Maxim Sitchev from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Hello, Max. Uh, just a couple of very quick ones for me. Um, Alex, we had Nordics and obviously Australia being, you know, very strong drivers of growth for a number of years. Looks like we plateaued a little bit. What, what are you guys seeing for these two markets um, in the next, let's call it 12 to 18 months if it's possible? Yeah, well, the Nordic uh, countries uh, are, at the end of the day, Max, are, are smaller in size. It's just the, the nature of the, of the beast. I mean, uh, we have now acquired over the last five, six years, uh, a leadership status in the Nordics. And by the way, we are probably the only international firm that has been able to do that. Uh, the other leading firms in the Nordics are local firms headquartered in the Nordics. Uh, so, uh, so I'm quite proud of that, that uh, we have a status uh, in the Nordics. So, so the goal in the next two, three years, and, and certainly in the next year with our newly promoted uh, leader in the Nordics will be to, to continue to strive as a firm, uh, to raise the bar from a margin point of view, um, to, uh, to get back on an organic growth agenda, uh, which was a bit more subtle in, in recent years. Uh, and then in Australia, I, I think the potential is there. We can continue to grow. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, 
the uh, government have, have committed uh, you know, massive investment in, in infrastructure. So, so if we do things right, I, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to continue to to grow in that region without a doubt. Okay, no, that's super helpful. Thank you so much. And then last last question pertains to uh, you know lots of discussions right now around you know inflation, wage pressures, uh, and so forth. Uh, just curious to see if you are seeing this. In, in the business at all, uh, and if yes, um, are there any you know mitigating steps that that can be undertaken by by you? Thank you. We are we are addressing it. Um, you know, um, some pockets in our business are requiring uh, more attention at the moment than than others. Uh, so to to be totally transparent with you, yes, we we feel it that uh, in some part of the world uh, there are some signals talent is there and it's there to stay so so we are reacting to it uh, uh, so but at the same time I look back at our last quarter and we're we're net positive with uh, 650 new people coming in on board just in the last quarter alone so so our acceptance rate is uh, quite strong actually very strong in, in, in probably everywhere around the world or and and we have been able to reduce our, uh, the time between we open a position to get people in the door by by few days, just this year alone. So so we are uh, improving uh, our process and our processes by levering, leveraging best practices. Uh, our best performing country right now in that regard is the UK. Uh, they are extremely fast uh, in the way that they are. From the time they open a position, the way they and and, and when they get a, a people in the door, I think it's 24 days or something like that. So that that's quite impressive, and we've done a lot of work to improve best practices uh, around the world in that regard. So so I'm I'm quite pleased with the tra trajectory at this point in time. Yeah, for sure. And just maybe uh, to to build on this, I mean, obviously margin profile is coming in stronger than expected. So. What, what, what other things uh, are you guys doing internally to uh, enable that margin accretion, despite the fact that obviously there is some some pressures on on some parts of the of the cost equation? Well, I, I remember saying that in 2014-15. Um, you know, for your margins to go up, uh, you need a lot of things uh, to go well. <laughs> So there are a number of levers that uh, you need to to do to to, to use and and to pull uh, in the right direction to to do well. So of course productivity is one, but at the same time also uh, Max, you need the help of the market. Uh, you need uh, if if the market is no good, it's quite hard to to improve the margin profile. And and indeed I find that uh, right now we are operating in a good market globally. Uh, and the supply demand dynamic is there uh, uh, you know to it, it's there essentially so so um, I think governments they are all looking to uh, reinvest in infrastructure and uh, the lack of talent or the war on talent that I've described earlier on it's not just happening in our industry it's happening in the financial industry but it's also happening at our clients uh, as well. Uh, so our clients uh, don't have uh, the talent uh, to do the work. So so they have uh, to turn uh, to uh, 
a consultant like WSP to assist them. So um, I've always said that um, consultants tend to do well when there's a catalyst in the marketplace. So 2008 was an example of that. I mean, you saw the business in our space um, striving. And on the back of the pandemic, um, and, and unfortunately this took place, but but I think our clients will turn to consultant to assist them again. And that's when consultant tend to do well, is when, when there's a catalyst in the marketplace. And, and there's clearly, a, there, there was one in this instance. So, so I think it should hopefully serve us well uh, in the future. Um, and, and that's why I think overall we're, we're optimistic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, thanks a lot for the detailed perspective. Thank you. Thanks. Your next question comes from Sabat Khan from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead, your line is open. Very great, thanks and good morning. Um, there's a bit of commentary mm -hmm. earlier on the integration of Golder. I guess this being the largest acquisition that you've done during sort of this virtual work environment. And are there any, and are there any learnings or any issues that were unexpected trying to integrate a large acquisition while folks are working from home? and Kind of how does that affect your thought process on future large acquisitions until the world opens up? I think what I've learned is that's feasible and it's possible. <laughs> that that that's what we've learned. Of course, when we announced it, we we were hoping and and we had the belief that we could do it. And after you know so many few months, I think I can tell you that I think now I, I have the conviction that this is feasible. And that that's possible. So um, I think to me that's the the biggest learning experience is that we we, we can do it. Uh, we're going to remain very disciplined and very focused, laser focused on on what we want to do and how we're going to do it. Um, but I think if this was a a test or a case study, I think you know this is is proving to to me and the team that uh, we can do this. Okay, and then uh, hopefully I'm not stealing thunder from your kind of the three-year strategic plan, but I know we talked a little bit on the last call about, you know, reassessing kind of the workspace, productivity, and things like that. Um, I guess, where are you in that review, and is that something, you know, you might announce before the strategic plan in terms of, you know, what kind of real estate and employee count kind of makes sense going forward? Well, it's certainly something that we are evaluating uh, very carefully. Of course, uh, this is a very fluid uh, situation, as you can imagine. Uh, you see, uh, how many companies have you heard that were expecting people to, get, to come back after Labor Day weekend and are now looking to push back by at least a month, maybe two? I think this is now becoming, you know, the, the new reality. So it, it's very fluid, and and uh, <clears throat> I didn't I didn't put too much weight, or certainly I didn't want to put too much weight on and making statements six months ago or nine months ago about our real estate floor plant, uh, because I just didn't feel I was uh, intelligent enough <laughs> to make such a statement. Uh, it was so fluid that uh, I figured that the well-being of our employees uh, and the well-being of the firm and our culture was, was the primary objective here. And I said, we'll deal with real estate floor plant afterwards once we have um, you know, the certainty or the firm belief uh, of, 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 oh, yeah, we determine exactly what we want to do. Uh, 
just statistically, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Alain, uh, 45% of our leases and floor plans will, 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 will come up for renewal in the next cycle, in the next three years. So this is a great opportunity for us. And timing is everything. And again, you need a bit of luck uh, oftentimes, but more than half of our real estate floor plant will come up for renewal in the next three years. So, so as you can imagine, you, 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 I'm sure you know that, that we are laser focused on this and we'll, we'll look at this very carefully to see what's you know, best for, for employees, best for our clients and best for our shoulders. Thanks. And just one last uh, quick question. Commented a bit earlier on kind of the hiring environment. Uh, one of your peers noted yesterday that you know they've seen some impact on growth from not being able to bring in enough people. Um, how are you kind of generally finding just the availability, and are there any regions where it is a little bit more uh, competitive? Just setting kind of cost aside, just a sheer number of people. No, I, I think it's competitive everywhere right now. Uh, there's there's no doubt in my mind that. Uh, it's 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 competitive environment everywhere you travel. So uh, I think, as I I said or described earlier on, I think we are revisiting uh, our strategy in the way we uh, we wish to attract uh, individuals. Um, and my personal belief, uh, engineers and and professionals in our space want to be part of a successful firm. They want to work in the most iconic projects in the space. So I think that the best thing that we can do is to continue to 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 thrive as a business, um, and and take the time to explain to newcomers uh, what we stand for as a business and and where we want to go as a firm. Uh, but as I stated before, I think the last quarter statistically I was quite pleased with the outcome. Uh, we have been able to attract a lot of new talent, and and we'll continue to do so in Q3 and Q4. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ian Gillies from Stiefel GMP. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Morning, everyone. Morning. I, want, I wanted to follow on Max's question and specifically around Central Europe. I thought it was interesting um, that you put it in a specific group head for that region, given some prior comments on growth there. and. I guess the question is, is should we consider some of these changes as precursors for growth in regions that you're becoming increasingly more focused on? It's, of course, uh, at the right time and with the right opportunity. I mean, I think it's no secret that we are subscale in Central Europe. And what I mean by Central Europe is if you exclude the Nordics for a second, uh, and, and of course you exclude the UK, Continental Europe, WSP, we, we are subscale. Uh, we have now probably close to 2,000 people, but you look at the, the potential there and, and the right circumstances we would want uh, to grow and, and create a strong operating hub. Uh, but um, you know, the stars have to be aligned for that to happen. Uh, and historically, uh, we always had a Central European leader and a Nordic leader and a UK leader. Um, uh, we, uh, we we slowly but surely move away from that. Uh, Magnus leading both the Nordics and, and and Central Europe, and and predominantly because we had a strong leader in place. Magnus is a very strong leader, uh, and and uh, he, he had all of the tools in, in his toolbox to be in a position to lead all of that cluster. 
but now we're reverting back to our original model, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, my, in my personal belief, structures are meant to, to be changing, and operating structure have to change uh, on a regular basis uh, to to keep the organization on its toes and, and making sure that we 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 perform. So, so having a strong leader for Central Europe is good news uh, because we'll have somebody focus 100% of its time of his time on on the region, and uh, we'll see where it leads us. No, that that's really helpful, and um, that's all for me, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Your last question will come from Troy Sun from Laurentian Bank Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, just wanted to start with Alex. I, I think you made an interesting comment earlier on the call regarding making market share gains in the U.S. I'm just trying to yes. get a sense how that's, that's being achieved. Is that through more effective partner activities or anything like, you know, from a bidding perspective that you're doing differently? Um, I guess more importantly, like, do, do you see that trend uh, being sustainable into a potential, uh, you know, upcycle in, in that region? Yeah, we've, without getting into too much details, we have made some changes in the U.S. Uh, we have uh, a new leader that uh, took over to almost two years ago now uh, to this day. And, uh, and, and alongside uh, Lou, we've made a, a number of, of, of leadership uh, changes uh, over the course of the last two years. But more importantly, our approach to client delivery is, has changed as well. Um, you know, I've, I think you've heard us in the past talking about one of our guiding principles. You know, we, we have, you know, uh, you know a, a local a presence with, uh, with a, an international network supporting our local presence. And I felt in recent years that we had moved away from that in the U.S., and that uh, we needed to get closer to our local communities and closer to our markets. And so we've made some changes in that regard, uh, having a, a more laser focus on our local communities and, and local regions. Uh, you know, transportation, for instance, is a very, very uh, local uh, sector. And unless the, you are focused on your local communities, it's, it's going to be hard for you to, to succeed. So. So it's more about culture. It's more about also uh, refocusing the business on our guiding principles and and making sure that the uh, people were were focusing on on delivering locally uh, the best service possible. Okay, uh, great. That's that's super helpful. Uh, I guess my second question um, just sort of goes back to the M&A uh, discussion. We've heard from some of your peers in the quarter that the uh, competition for asset in the U.S. is intensifying, and we're seeing some entry from uh, you know financial players bidding up the assets there. I'm just wondering, like, first, are you are you seeing uh, you know a, a similar phenomenon in the U.S. and secondly, in other geographies that you operate in, uh, are the same things happening, or do you still believe that there are you know uh, high quality assets that you you can you can acquire at a more traditional slash reasonable multiple. Yeah, well, not not so long ago, I think we've we completed an acquisition and a, a, a in my personal opinion, a, a very uh, very attractive uh, multiple. So so I think we are we have been able to to achieve that in in, in the past and, and we'll continue to to do to remain disciplined to to achieve that. Uh, the, the, 
the notion of financial sponsors being in, in our industry, I mean, the reality is they've been in our industry for as long as I remember. Uh, there's uh, a lot of, of, of money in the system right now, and, and uh, financial sponsors are present in our industry, but they are equally present in other industries, and uh, that's just the reality of, of life, and we get to live with that. And, and, and what WSP has to offer to those firms is very different than what uh, a P can, can offer to, to those firms. Um, so the vision is completely different. We're here for the long term. We want uh, to build something, uh, a legacy, and, uh, and, and those that believe in that, and, and Golder was exactly that. I mean, they believe in the, uh, in the vision that we had for this industry and for WSP um, will join us. And those that uh, have, have had different views may, may choose to go with a financial sponsor. And, and I think there's room for everybody, uh, uh, but uh, I can I can get uh, and, and be bothered by what's happening outside of our firm. My my job and our role is to focus on on, on us and and what we have to offer, and and um, that's what we're busy doing right now, explaining our story to those firms. Right, right. That's uh, super helpful. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. We have no further questions. I'd like to turn the call back over to the presenters for any closing remarks. Okay, well, okay. thank you very much. Thank you for attending the call. Thank you for your continued support. And uh, we look forward to updating you at our next uh, quarterly release. Thank you very much and have a great day. This concludes today's call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.